you would stand with us this morning as we go to the Word of God and turn with us as well to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, uh, chapter number 1, and starting, we're going to read verse number 21. Matthew chapter 1, and we will read verse 21. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to be, while you're turning there, I'm going to also be making uh, some special announcements tonight in regards to our church Christmas dinner. It's going to take place on the 18th. We are having this meal catered. We'll have some tickets for sale uh, for the meal, uh, things of that nature. And so we'll be sharing some information about that as well. Amen. Matthew chapter 1. Starting here, reading verse number 21. If you're there with me, would you say amen this morning? The Word of God says this, and uh, something that we're very familiar with, but it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Here the angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph. Joseph has been contemplating all of the things that have been going on in regards to his soon-to-be family. The Word of God says he'd been thinking on these things and contemplating them and the Lord came to him and spoke to him by way of the angel of the Lord and In a dream, and this is what he had said to him, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. Somebody shout, save. He shall save his people from their sins. And this morning, if we can, for just a few moments of your time today, I'd like to preach simply on the thought, He shall save. Amen. He shall save. Why don't you tell somebody next to you, say, I don't know of anyone he can't save. Amen. Go ahead and tell them. Look them right in the eye. Amen. There's some of you there, you're conveying that message and you could say, because there was some didn't think I could be saved. Amen. Come on here. Some of you here's, what you, here's what you need to remember. Not everybody in this house, they weren't born wearing a church suit. They weren't born, they weren't born, Brother Eli, knowing all the hymns in the hymn book. They weren't born looking like they have everything together. Amen. We all are in need of a Savior. He shall be called Jesus. Because he shall save his people from their sins. Can we pray together one more time? Father, we're asking your anointing upon your word. I thank you for every heart, every life that's represented here. And I pray today, anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to understand. Always as our prayer. Let your word go forth in power and anointing. Your word declares that it will accomplish what it's sent to do. And Lord, we pray and ask that you would do a work that only you can. Father, today help us that we leave this place changed by the presence of God. Anoint my mind and lips to preach as would give you glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. He shall save. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I, this morning, in thinking about, and matter of fact, just a couple of days ago, very early in the morning, I had woke up, and, and uh, when I uh, wake up at times that are uh, very early, I uh, try not to waste that time. Of, I'm not going to lay there and toss and turn. And I firmly believe there are times, Brother Tibbets, that the Lord is waking up early in order to uh, get my attention. Amen. To cause my heart to look at the Word of God. To allow uh, I, myself 
time. There's times of, of where there's special burden to pray for someone or folks in particular that the Lord has laid upon heart. And in those moments, in those times, Brother Gold, where there's nothing else going on but just time to get mind on the Lord. Amen. Just to hear what God's trying to say. And a couple of days ago, and I had one of those mornings, and and uh, I had prayed, and I was just thinking on the Lord, and and uh, I really, I really did not have any further direction from the Lord that I felt, Brother Ringo, of what He was wanting to do or speak in that moment, and so I, I had grabbed my my uh, earphones and I put them on, and I and I uh, opened up the Bible on my phone. And I just pushed that button uh, to where they would just read the scripture to me. How many of you know that the word of God is as powerful as you just allow it to soak into your heart and soak into your mind? I wasn't interested in turning on the news to see the world events. I wasn't interested in trying to find a movie to watch, but I just felt so compelled. I just wanted to soak in the word of God. And I laid there and Sister Linda, I, I, I put my recliner back in that uh, position where I was laying before the Lord. Amen. Now don't look at me judgmental. Some of you are saying, preacher, I know where this is going. You, it's early morning. You're listening to the Word of God reading and, and you're leaning back in that comfortable position. I know what's getting ready to take place. There was some holy snoring that's going to go on around there. Amen. And I won't deny that somewhere in the in-between that did begin to happen. But I was, as I was there listening, I had went to the book of, I had went to the book of Luke and, and just listening again afresh to the, to the, the, the announcement of the birth of Christ. And, and uh, listening there through that story and, and of, all the, of all the things that were said that he was going to come to do. And the gospels began to relay the message of what Christ and his mission was for. In the Old Testament, there is a foretelling by way of the prophets of what Christ was going to come to do, what his character was, what his heart was, what he was going to accomplish, amen, on behalf of the world and behalf of the people. But in regards to this and listening, Brother Ringo, the, just that name as we find that the angel of the Lord had come, had come to Mary and began to uh, revealed to her what was going to take place and in that uh, telling her as well that he will be great and that and that he was going to save uh, people from their sins and here uh, where uh, Joseph is being told of what he was going to be called uh, Jesus and he said here is the reason and this is the purpose and this is something that uh, that just stood out to me here in in this passage is where it simply says he shall save amen he shall save his people from their sins and my heart began to roll over inside of me in regards as to uh, today there are many ideas about who Jesus is and about what he had come to do there are many thoughts and opinions and things of that nature and not just in the world but also might I say it is also prevalent in the church and this morning if I can here as we are upon celebrating the advent of the birth of Christ on this first Sunday morning here in the month of December I just feel compelled and challenged and charged in my spirit amen to remind the church and to point our direction and our attention that the Jesus, that Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world, I want to remind each and every one of us this morning is that we have a Savior who still saves. Amen. He still saves. Yes, He does. Hallelujah. When we began to look at this, and I know that to some, 
You're more scholarly than I am, and this might seem very elementary, but I want to remind you of some things this morning by way of the Lord of what He has saved us from. This morning, I want to remind you simply what does it mean to be saved, or what is that definition to save? And I say this in respect because there are many times that we think that just everybody who shows up to church that they know certain things or they understand certain things. And let me be very clear on this is that we are finding that it is much more prevalent in today's church that salvation is not even preached. That being saved has become a form of taboo. They would like to present Christ as everything else except for a Savior and that we are people who need to be saved. Let me share with you this. The word save simply means to rescue, to make safe, to preserve from injury or harm, to deliver. I want to say that when we look at these terminologies this morning, that there are many of us in this house, and there are some that I believe your testimony can be of the fact that He has rescued me, that by His sacrifice and by His blood, He has made me safe. He has procured me. He has redeemed me. He has preserved me. From injury or harm. Amen. Not in what I can do. Not in what you can do. I want to remind you there's no goodness in you or me. There is none that is righteous. The word of God says no not one. I want to say this morning is that our goodness fails. Our religiosity fails. Our our, uh, mandates of approval and opinions our politics, our agendas, the list goes on and on. I want to remind you that humanity in himself, we will never reach the level. A denomination will not save you. The water in that tank will not save you. Me laying my hands on you will not save you. Shaking your hand or you filling out a membership card will not save you. There's real sin. There's a real devil. There's a real hell. There's real destruction. And that's why we will preach Jesus. Because he shall save. Hallelujah. He and he alone delivers. He and he alone provided my safety. He and he alone has rescued me. Amen. I want to remind you that in a time where there's much confusion, in a time where there is much going on, oh, that we must look once again to Jesus because He has come to save. Hallelujah. We must never forget nor mistake what Christ came to do. There are many that will preach or believe that he came only to do good. I have heard people, Brother Danny, who will tell folks, say, well, I don't believe in the whole Son of God thing, but he was a good man. They will acknowledge his existence. They will acknowledge that he did good things. They will compare him to others who had done good things. They will try to chalk him up as somebody who was just came along to influence or whatever the case might be but ma'am and sir I want to remind you he went about yes doing good he went about doing and teaching good and reflecting the goodness of the father oh but don't you confuse the fact he was not just another man that is the precious son of God the only begotten of the father who not only came about to do good but But the mission always was to save. He shall save. Hallelujah. Some that think only to do good and be an example. We have today a generation in the church that will preach a Jesus that his only mission uh, that he came for is to be sure that you and I are blessed. 
we don't want to deal with sin, just bless us. Come on here. Don't want to have to live holy, just bless us. We have reduced Christ as if he is performing a spiritual lottery. Come on here. Oh, you know how the world plays the jackpot. The power ball is worth X amount of dollars. And, and oh, I will never forget, uh, we were preaching a revival in Iowa. And when we were there in Iowa, we stopped with the pastor. He had to stop and get some fuel. And while we were there and, and uh, he was getting fuel, I went in, Sister Laura, uh, to use the facilities there at the gas station. And I went in and I thought I had missed something. I thought I missed a big announcement because there was a line, a line that stretched from the counter and wrapped its way in between the Twinkies and the donuts. I mean, they just wrapped, and, and I'm looking around. I'm looking around, Brother Wilson. I'm thinking, oh, what's going on in here? You know, I, I, you know, I, if it's something worth standing in line for, maybe I'll stand in line. I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, and, and so there was folks up there, and, and then it didn't take me. You know, I'm, I'm slower than the average bear, but then I picked up fairly quick what was taking place because I looked around, and they had signs posted all in the convenience store that said, Jackpot. Powerball, jackpot, and they had what it was worth at the time. Oh, and everybody was there. There's folks up there, and they're laying down $100 bills and laying down this, and they're calling out their numbers, their kitty cat's birthday, and their puppy dog's anniversary. And some of them. <laughs> Some of them, the computer just generating the numbers, whatever the case might be. And I had that old clerk, said, beep, 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 beep. He's scanning them off, and people's there. And I was, I, and, and what really got my attention, I saw the signage, but it was conversation. Conversation. Oh, if I win, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm buying. This is where I'm going. I wanted to just preach a little bit while I was in the convenience store. I wanted to just say, God's got a plan for you to get wealthy. It's called W-O-R-K. There's a novel idea, isn't it? <laughs> Amen. The Word of God said, now I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail and I don't know who needs to hear this. Some of you, you ain't, you ain't buying Christmas presents. You're trying to win a jackpot. You need to quit. Amen. But, uh, but I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to say that the word of God says that he that hasteth to be rich. Come on here. He, he envelops, he invites a whole world of pain and problem. But I say all that to say this. There are some that treat Christ. And there are, God help us, preachers that will stand in pulpits. And they might as well, Brother Marvin, have jackpot posters hanging all over the sanctuary. Because they want folks to come in. And, they, and it's almost as if they're trying to give away something. They're trying to promote Christ that he's going to do something some spiritual lottery. Oh, maybe you'll be the one. We got Bob Barker's in the pulpit. Come on down and see what it is. Let me tell you something. We don't need a Christ who's treated as a Santa Claus or a genie. We don't need another wardrobe of clothes. You don't need another house. What you need is salvation. What you need is to have your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, can I tell you Jesus it's not a spiritual lottery but he shall save he shall redeem his people from their sins hallelujah oh what would happen what would happen if we as the church and I mean that beyond victory we're going to do our best to always do this. But if the church would get back to preaching a Christ that came to save. We have people so sitting in our pews. So misguided. And Christ is being misrepresented. There are some that only look at Christ as one who will right the wrongs of social injustice. Hear me. 
We've got whites and blacks, Hispanics, the Chinese. We are a nation that is not united. We are not the United States. That might be termed geographically. But as a people, that is not who we are as a people. There's division on every hand. And you've got whites and blacks, Hispanics, Chinese, and the list goes on and on. Everybody wanting to monopolize their claim on Christ because they are using him to right the wrongs of social injustices for their cause. Hear what I'm saying. He is no more than an earmark in a page of history of trying to use him as a precipice for social injustice. There are many who will use him as a platform for politics. Woo! Preach on, Brother Jake. Okay, I will. Oh, are you elephant? Are you donkey? Are you independent? Are you this? Are you that? Here's what I am first and foremost. Because I found him. I'm sorry, let me change that. He found me. And as a result, he saved me from my sin. So before anything else, I belong to the Lamb of God. I don't care what animal they use to represent the party. We need a church that says we belong to the Lamb. Blessed is the Lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world. And it's Jesus. But for many politics, if they can throw out the name of a church they attend, if they can throw Christ somewhere in their, in their uh, uh, verbiage, if they can wear a cross lapel pin, we got folks will jump on board all day long, say, well, I mean, look at them. Look, uh, they represent Christ. And Christ is used as nothing more than for a political agenda. Many within the church, many within... And without Christ, Christ is used to market and monetize. Sadly, in our churches, we have majored in the minor. What do you mean, Brother Jake? Things that we should be dealing with, preaching about, praying over. Those things are cast to the side. And we are arguing, squabbling, being divided. We are looking at things that are minor my papa used to have a phrase, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Come on here. Don't try to split hairs. Don't try to focus in on things. Can I tell you, much of the church world is distracted. And yes, I keep saying church because I want us to remember what Christ came for. We find ourselves in all kinds of things. This click in this group. This, this offense and this problem. This style of worship and that style of worship. Women preachers or not women preachers. This, uh, I saw a video clip the other day. I, man, I mean a man preaching with venom running from his face, from his mouth over facial hair. I got no problem if you got a conviction, you got a standard, but I'm going to tell you at the end of the day, I don't believe that God is worried about whether I got a beard or not. Well, Brother Jacob, I'm, I'm very offended that you would even say that. No, listen, I'm going to tell you, that's majoring in the minor. Majoring in the minor. We got folks all tore up, squabbling over stuff. You know what it is? That's why there ain't got to be a lot of destruction. The devil ain't got to do a whole lot of things if he can just get us distracted on silliness. You know what will happen? The Word of God uses this term. We'll bite and devour one another. Cannibalistic Christians just turn on one another. We'll bite and devour one another. And, and I mean just, just, just make a ruckus over things that have no eternal weight or value. I'm going to tell you something, Brother Danny. We are living, we're on the cusp. I'm telling you, the Word of God says that He is even at the door. 
We don't have time to fool around with such nonsense, such foolishness. Oh, they can point their finger at us. They can laugh at us. They can say that, well, Brother Jacob needs to get his act together. He ought to preach more on this or that or whatever the case might be. I hate to break your heart, but if you come to Victory Temple, what you're going to hear is Christ and Christ crucified. He was dead. He was buried. But he rose on the third day and he's coming back again. He came to save his people. Oh, I wish he'd be more political. I wish he'd be a little more charismatic. I wish he'd be a little more strict. I wish he'd be a little bit more loose. You can say what you want, but when I stand before God, I want to say I did all that I could to let every heart know that Jesus shall save his people from their sin. Oh, Hear me, hear me. We major on the minor. We emphasize the here and now and disregard eternity. We want everybody comfortable right now. We want everybody liking us right now. We want everybody agreeable with us in our message right now. We just want everybody. We want, instead of preaching about sinners being saved... The message of today's church has often been convoluted with this. Just making sinners better than they are now. Still lost. Still bound and wrapped up. Still in habits and entanglements and things that do not glorify God. Still things, Brother Jay, that will cause people to lose out on eternity with Christ. But everybody's comfortable. Everybody's got what they want. Everybody looks around, everything seems hunky-dory. You ever heard that term? That's a hillbilly term. Everything's just hunky-dory. We just say, oh, you're just we're going with the flow, whatever the case might be. And we've got to the point. Did you know, I said it earlier, but did you know that nowadays, God forbid we use the word sin in a service, and we don't, we don't hear preaching about sin, and we don't hear the word saved anymore. We don't hear the word saved anymore. Because we have people who do not believe anymore they have anything to be rescued from. They look around and they they look just like the rich man did. He said, I've got all these blessings. I've got all these things. We live in a country where we have whatever we want. You can afford it. You can get it. You don't have it. You can go to the store. If it's not at the store, click on Amazon. They'll have it for you. And it'll be at your house in two days. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Come on. We've we've got to the point as to where this is the mentality. Everybody comfortable. Well, Brother Jake, don't say too much there. and Don't say too much here. And and be careful about this. And, And when I say that, I'm using hypotheticals. There's not been one person in this church ever told me what to preach or how to preach. Amen. I thank God for that because if you did, we might have words. I love you and all, but... We might have some words in regards to that. Hallelujah. But listen to this. We are emphasizing the here and now and we negate eternity. There are many who have shunned preaching about sin or sinners being saved. And we want to make people a better version of themselves and not deal with their sin. We are preaching and teaching a Christ that will wink at our sin and will tolerate our technicalities. Hear me. What do you mean by technicalities? When somebody comes to you with a spiritual conversation and they start with this. Well, technically the Bible doesn't. You know how to end that kind of conversation? Just say, liar! (laughs) Technically, 
Somebody had said one time, Brother Danny said, if a Christian starts conversation well with technically the Bible, you ought to just mark them off. You just, just don't even listen anymore to the conversation. Because what we are doing when we don't want to deal with sin, when we don't want the Holy Ghost to convict us of sin, when we don't want to crucify our flesh at the altar, when we realize, oh, that all the goodness I think that I have and all the things that I think that I am, it's not going to earn me anything that's when we get all technical with God that's when we start reasoning and saying things like well I know it's wrong but it's not as bad as you're not shouting but I'm preaching just in case you needed to know if I was preaching or not if you're waiting for the climatic part of the message I'm here well you know technically and we will have technicalities for ourselves and we will make technicalities for our children we will make technicalities for our age we will make technicalities for this and well you don't know because you know brother Jacob it must be nice you just get paid to sit around and be spiritual you work two days a week that's great you're on on your way to heaven that must be nice I work in the real world oh I'm sorry I I forgot that I'd jump on my spaceship and go to Mars on Monday. <laughs> Did you know that, that religious people can have the worst of technicallys? Technically this and technically that. And if they don't technically in their own lives, they want to technically everybody else. They want to have rhyme and reason and category and specifications and resumes and pedigrees and all of those types of things. I want to tell you this morning that every one of us, I don't care how long you've been saved, we are still all a work in progress. We all still need the blood. We all still need a Savior. We all still need the help and the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. We still need Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Won't hear that much. We won't hear that much. Listen to this. The word of God is very clear. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Mission, to seek and save that which was lost. First Timothy 1 and 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to what? Save sinners. And then Sister Laura Paul followed it up with this, of whom I am the chiefest. Brother Gary, the one who had written over half the New Testament, he said, of whom I am the chiefest. Paul realized, he said, I could have, by inspiration of the Spirit of God, wrote the whole book, but that doesn't qualify me. I could have built and pioneered 200 churches that don't qualify me. I could have been known as the first missionary to take the gospel to others and to, to help to reach the Gentiles, but it does not qualify me. He said, man has a sin problem, has a heart problem. Have you noticed that in our world today, there's a legislation for every new problem we're up against? I don't care how many laws are passed. You cannot legislate away the sin-hardened heart of humanity. The only thing that will change it is Christ and that He came to save His people from their sin. Now listen, I've been at it here for a little over 20 minutes. Okay? I looked here, it's about 11.45, it's 12.02. Give me just, just a few more. I want to share a couple of things. I want to remind you of this fact. John 3 and 7 says, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Well, Brother Jacob, 
We understand, we'll amen you, we'll clap our hands and shout with you, but aren't you preaching to the choir? No. All of us need to understand that he shall save. What shall he save from? I want to remind you this morning that he still saves from the penalty of sin. Somebody shout penalty. Penalty. Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, Sister Kimberly, he is the only way and he is the only one who can remove the penalty of sin. You see, we often disconnect the penalty of sin while we sin, when we sin, because said penalty is not immediate. People would live much differently if God dealt with sin immediately. There are sins that folks can live with for years in their life. We've all seen the testimonies of brokenness and terrible things that happened where Brother Segura, something came out of the woodwork, out of somebody's life. It came to surface. That sin made its way. But for years it went undone. For years it went. And then, and only then, Sister Noah, is somebody ready to, to, to deal with it and confront with it because there is pity. Penalty attached to it. I want to remind you this morning, church, is that there is penalty for all of us. Penalty for all of us if we are in sin. It is separation from God. It is hindrance in our prayer life. It is hindrance in our worship. There is eternal consequence to sin. We will preach on the glory of heaven. But I want to remind you, as wonderful as heaven is, hell is woeful. Hell is terrible. And hell was intended for Lucifer and his demons. And I've heard all of the so-called professors of Scripture. I've heard those that pastor bigger churches than I ever would or have more doctorates and degrees than I who would stand and say, God will not send anybody to hell. And I'll agree with them, Brother Eddie. God has made every provision to try to save us from the penalty of sin. And I would say to that person, you're right. We will send ourselves when we reject him. And God will love us all the way there. He has made a way from the penalty of sin. And that is through his son, Jesus Christ, he shall save. He shall save. We don't think about consequences and penalties of sin because for many it is something that will be dealt with later on. But I don't want to deal with it later on because if it's later on, Brother Danny, I've waited too late. I've waited too late. He has saved us so that I can be free from the penalty of sin today. From the penalty of sin today. Listen, there are things, have you, ever, have you ever been pulled over? Some of you right now thinking, Brother Jacob, I felt the spirit till you brought that up. It was, just, it was just this week. It was just, right? Have you been pulled over? And you know how it is. Boy, those lights come on. And if you've got kids in the car, it's even worse. As if you didn't see the lights. In our, hey, Dad, Dad, this is... There's a cop behind it. There it is. So I'm going to confess to you. Everybody loves it when the preacher confesses. It's been, it's been earlier in the year. There was a night Ashlyn and I was in the pickup truck. was heading home. And I had my cruise control set. And, and I was going. And I, I moved over a lane. Nobody near me. I moved over a lane. I'm in the middle lane. Coming up to our exit to get to the house, I move over. And Sister Brenda, I did so with no blinker. Twice. Not once, but twice. But when I took that exit, he lit him up on me. 
So I pull off and I pull over and Ashlyn, first thing she said, Dad, what did you do? I said, I wish you could tell me because I don't know what I've been, I, I wasn't speeding, I don't know what I've done. And then Miss Smarty Pants said, well, you didn't use your blinker. I said, well, if, if this guy pulled me over for blinker, he's, he's got a lot of time on his hands. So in obedience, naturally, I didn't want to be on TV for a race through Orange. I pulled over and he came over. He was very polite and he asked me who it was, asked for my driver's license, all that good stuff. He said, Mr. Smith, he said, do you know what I pulled you over for? I said, officer, the only thing I can think of is I said, I didn't use my blinker. He said, you're exactly right. He said, I just want you to encourage you. He said, just be sure you do that. And he goes back and he's running everything. You know how it is. And he comes back and he says, this was a warning. Don't you worry about it. Be safe. He said, you just live over here, don't you? Yes, sir. I said, that's where we're heading. We're heading home. He said, get on home safe. I said, thank you so much. Now, here's the deal. I say that to say this. There are many times that we have been rescued from the penalty. There's times the Holy Ghost, he sets, Sister Lord, and he says, hey, we've got to deal with this. This is a warning. This is a warning. He says, Gloria, there's penalty attached to that. This is a warning. Heed what I'm trying to tell you. Listen to me, Karen. Listen when I whisper to you. See, what I don't understand, Brother Pickens, is why churches want to dismiss and diminish the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Because He will reveal to us what needs to be corrected. It's a warning. He says, because I'm trying to keep you from the penalty. A penalty. Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'd come. I'm going to touch on this and I'm closing. I want to also remind you that not only does he save us from the penalty of sin, but he saves you from the power of sin. There's a difference. There's distinguishment. Penalty is the payment for sin. But sin has a power to it. Sin has a power to it that gets a hold of a heart and a life. We have seen the power of sin at work when there are folks and we can look to where their life their, their, their existence is consumed with. Whether they know it or not, they report in. They check in to that sin because it has power over them. This can be described in ways such as an addict who has to have the needle in the arm to function, to survive. Call it disease, call it addiction, call it whatever. What it is, it's the power of sin. And it will cause you to report in for duty. It'll call you in the midnight hour. You'll be there thinking everything's fine. But there's things that's inside. There's wrestling match in our flesh. There's wrestling match in our soul. And it calls to us, Brother Eddie, that power that is there of sin to try to get us and to pull us into that place. It is the gravitational pull upon humanity's soul. Sin calls and sin questions and sin will challenge and it'll try to work its power. Can I say the apostle Paul knew about this power. He said we don't wrestle flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers. And spiritual darkness and wickedness that's in high places. I want to tell you church. That adversary the devil. Yes he's under our feet. Yes we can quote we've been made more than conquerors. But everybody in here you know how sin wants to have a hold on you. You know how sin tries to compel. You can try to rationalize. You can try to willpower it away. But I want to tell somebody where sin's been pulling, where sin's been tugging, where you've had a struggle. Because not all struggles are out in the open. Matter of fact, I will just say this. 
very honestly that a good 95 to 98 percent of the struggles and the struggle with sin that's in this house and amongst this congregation is a private matter. Not out in the open, there's not necessarily things and deeds of the flesh or entanglements and snares. I may not show up to your house to visit and you've got beer cans everywhere or you've got this or that or the things that we oftentimes we look at certain outward things and say, oh, boy, do they got a problem. But I'm going to tell you, we're dealing with a whole other dimension of the demonic right now. When we've got well over 50% of our middle school kids who say they identify with homosexuality or lesbianism, not a one of them know what they're talking about in its entirety. Many of them never been in a, any kind of relationship with another man or a woman, but they are looking at certain things and they're saying, well, this, they're looking at it like clubs and communities. Well, I'll, I'll identify with this. You will not convince me there's not the power of sin at work. The power of sin for some men who pick up your smartphone and you got the world at your hands. Used to, you'd have to buy a subscription to a filthy magazine company and hope to not get caught going to the mailbox to get it or go to the seedy part of town. But we've got men and women, let me say, their minds are polluted with pornography. Secret sins, the power of sin that wants to pull. That wants to rob you, rob your kids. The power of sin, a religious spirit, a backbiting tongue. Oh, you thought we was only going to deal with certain sins of the flesh. We're coming after the sanctified folk too. Those that look around a building and all you can do when you see somebody is how you want to pick them apart. Of how they don't measure up. Of how they fall short but you don't. Of how holy you are but they're not. Of how you don't mind to devour somebody but you can't remember the last time you legitimately prayed for somebody or built somebody up. The power of sin. He, Brother Tibbets, shall save his people from their sin. Well, thank you, Brother Jacob. I thought I came in here saved, but apparently I'm not. I did not have you to come in here for you to leave questioning your salvation to beat you over the head, but I do want you to know is that these things must be dealt with. And it's not pastor who can deal with them for you. It's not the name of the church. It's not who your daddy was or who Paul was or what position or title that you have or what you're aspiring to be or how good you are. We all need Christ. He still saves. He shall be called Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. You might be offended at me this morning. That's okay, I still love you. You've been wrong before. I've never been more right than right now. And I love you. And I would rather you stick your nose up at me, roll your eyes, think that I'm completely off base or whatever. But if you listen to anything that's said and if you can make things right and you make heaven, we'll rejoice about it over there. Christ. We will use cliches like he's the reason for the season and all these things and all that's true. But when they introduced Jesus, when the angel of the Lord spoke, Brother Eli, to that mom and daddy, said, this is what he shall be called, and this is why. In everything else he's going to do, this is what he came to do.
to save sinners. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you today for your faithfulness. Lord, I'm thankful that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And Lord, today, right now, in this altar call, there are some that they are categorizing sin. Some that are trying to talk themselves out of dealing with sin. Some that have not dealt with the penalty. And they think that maybe it's just something that can be contended with later. But you came to save from the penalty of sin. You came to save from the power of sin. There's a pool. There's a wrestling match. There are hindrances. There are things that we've got to get under the blood. That we need. We need the blood of Jesus to deliver us from. We need, oh God, your strength, your power to be at work in our lives. Lord, we pray today that you would deal with our hearts. We pray today, God, that in all of the things that we try to justify, all of our technicalities, all of the things in which we try to do good and be good, Lord, we need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need you, Lord, for you are the one that saves your people from their sins. This may not be what you had in mind for a first Sunday of December Message. This may not fit into a series of Christmas messages. But I'm going to tell you, we've got to deal with what's going on right now. And if we're going to make eternity in heaven, then we're going to have to let God deal. Let Him deal with our sin. Let Him forgive us. Let Him wash us. Let Him help us. And this morning all over this house, you know, Brother Jacob, won't, I won't do anything to embarrass anybody. But I'll be honest with you, this just isn't for somebody. This is for everybody. We all can testify and say, Lord, I need, I need your help. I need your mercy. I need the blood of Jesus. I need, Lord, I need forgiveness and strength over the power of the pull of sin the presence of sin there's pleasures of sin the list goes on and on and on and Lord we your people we need the Savior we need your help if that's your heart's desire if there are some things even this morning the Lord is dealing the Holy Ghost is drawing the Word of God said that he would lead us into all truth there may not be specific things that are mentioned or stated in God's Word or even that I mentioned here today, but you just know the Holy Ghost is pulling. You know the Spirit of God is drawing. You know the Lord wants to break the power of sin in your life. He wants to deliver. He wants to set free. He wants to help. If that's us, church, why don't we come? It'd be good for all of us to come and find ourselves a place in these altars this morning. It'd be good for us to respond to this Jesus who stands and says, I am He. I'm the one who will save. I'm the one who still saves. I'm the one who has power. I am the one who has defeated death, hell, and the grave. I am the one who has overcome the world. And because He has overcome the world, we can as well. Oh, Lord, would you help us today? Lord, challenge me in my sin. Convict me in my sin. Draw me in my sin. And wash me. Purge me with hyssop. Cleanse me, O God. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The name by where men are saved. The grace of God extended. The blood of Christ that washes anew. Oh, Lord, there's the penalty of sin you've rescued us from. Oh, Lord, there's the power of sin that pulls. The presence of sin that tries to manifest. The pleasures of sin that try to be at work. Oh, Lord, we plead the blood. Oh, we plead the blood of the Lamb. We ask you, Lord, to wash us.